0: Hello, thank you for listening to the first episode of You Think You're Better Than Me. Uh, My name is Jason and uh, I am starting this podcast just because I think it'd be interesting and it gives me an outlet to kind of do something that I want to do, but I think that it will relate to a lot of people and uh, if some people want to share in the experience of getting to know people a little bit better, or discover things that you had no idea existed. Uh, That's what this show is about. Um, This specific episode is about work. I don't know how many more episodes there will be about work, but certainly it's an important one. We all have to go to work. Well, most of us, the people who are certainly listening to this podcast would have to go to work. uh, Killing time while you're on the bus, or in the car, or wherever it takes you, Uh, but uh, yeah, we all gotta work, and sometimes that work is great, sometimes that work is not great, but everybody kind of has a job, and not everyone is uh, super excited to find out what your job is, so I decided to sit down with two people uh, and talk a little bit about what they do and and, uh, understand the experience. Um, Both of these people uh, work in my building with me, some in the same department, other in other department, Um, and uh, I am going to let them introduce themselves, and I will talk to you guys at the end of this episode. Here is the first interview with Chris. All right, I am here with my Hey guys, it's uh, Chris Jones here, you know. Chris Jones. Yes, sir. Hey, Chris Jones. Uh, we're talking about jobs today on the podcast, so
1: let, let me know a little bit about your job. So uh, I work for uh, Stable Center Security. I'm a uh, supervisor there. I've been there for about, I'd say about five years now. It'll be five years in February, February 1st.
0: Okay. Well, what do you, What do you do there? I mean, I, I mean, you supervise security, but are you out on the floor? Are you telling people to do their job? What What's it's a, What's some of the tasks?
1: It's a mixture of both. So I uh, I have a staff. Normally, it depends on what floor you have. We have different floors. We have starting from the up. We have upper concourse. We have suite level. We have the main concourse, and we have the vent level where everything happens. Um, it just depends on what floor I'm at. Sometimes I could have a staff of fifty. I could have a staff of 200 sometimes it just depends
0: what Um, would you say is the biggest challenge that you face
1: uh with what you do the biggest challenge for me that i have is just getting to know my staff's personality i don't like to be i don't like to come off to people rude or come off the wrong way so i try to get to know them and it's a lot of people you have to get to know
0: uh, what is the craziest thing that you've ever witnessed that you needed to step in with some security uh, supervising?
1: Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say fights because we go through those every day. Hey, Chris. I think. Uh, hold on. Big jump.
0: Yeah, we got it interrupted here, but uh, we we're talking about your biggest. Uh, we were talking about what is the biggest
1: thing that you've ever had to. Handle What's the most extreme thing you've ever seen there? Uh, the most extreme thing, I think you guys might find it funny, was uh, there was a lady that came in through one of our entrances, and uh, she was already a little intoxicated. That's the term we have to use. And I could tell for the night she was going to be an issue. So I should have made contact then, but I didn't, so it was on my end, my part. But um, But I got her seating location just to keep an eye on her. So later on during the event, it was for Romeo, Romeo Santos. I don't know if anyone knows who that is. Some Latin artist. Um, I would say maybe about an hour before the event's over, she's fully intoxicated, like she's gone. And we find this young lady with we find this young lady with no clothes on. Wow, nothing. And the little blue dress that she had on, she has it in her hand, swinging it around her head. Running, just running around in circles that was in it. And I we we had to stop her. We had to get her somehow and you know, they're telling me, Get her, get her, you know, stop her and I don't wanna grab her because she's naked. Like and so I just used my best judgment and I just tripped her and she fell. And <laughs> I kicked her foot and she fell. She tripped. She had a rug burn, but hey, you know what? She was
0: Yeah. At least she got covered up. She was covered up. <laughs> Um, what do you think the biggest <laughs> misconception about your job is? Like, what do you think people think when they say, like, when you tell them what you do? What do you think they're thinking, and how wrong are they usually?
1: They think that we just come to work, but they think that we come to the Staples Center and just watch games. We just watch, that's it. Like, we don't do yeah. anything. They think we just watch, watch the concerts, watch the games, and. That's it. That's completely wrong. Half the time, we don't even have time to watch the games. We have so many different little issues going on. We have to to attend to them.
0: Uh, do you ever get to interact with the talent or anything like that? Do you ever get to see the celebrities that are performing there or anything?
1: Uh, we do. We uh, it, like it. Like I said earlier, it just depends on what floor you're on. If you work on the event level, which is the bottom, yeah, it, they change us around every day. That's mainly like the talent level. That's where everybody enters. That's where all the artists, the NBA stars, sure. the WNBA, wrestling, <sighs> the wrestling. Mm-hmm. they all come in and you have to escort them to their dressing room sometimes, you have to make sure you know people aren't coming down to the floors, different things like that. Yeah.
0: Out of your experience, and you don't have to say if you don't want to, but who's been the biggest asshole and who's been the nicest? The biggest,
1: the biggest jerk. I think I've ever experienced was Kobe Bryant.
0: Really? Kobe Bryant was a jerk. Kobe. You know how to tell the story if you want to, but I'm sure people are oh, like, no. How is Kobe Bryant a jerk? Oh yeah, he's the Did big... he rape somebody and then score <laughs> 80 points so that they don't remember anything? Cause I think he's a jerk because of that.
1: <laughs> but let's hear what Wait. else he did. So this was my I think my second day, second or third day working there, and I'm on the event level. And uh I'm walking I'm just walking up the the hallway trying to figure out where I'm going and he wants me to scoot all the way to the left, all the way to the left of the hallway so he can walk down the middle. I'm walking down the middle, and he's walking down the middle. So it's like we're playing chicken. Like, he see we make eye contact, and he's just looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, move to the left or right? Like, I'm not moving. Yeah. And he, like, stands there and waits for me to move to the left or right. And so we're standing there looking at each other, and like, I'm like, hey, hey. And he's just like, just keep walking, yeah, punk. Yeah, like pretty much moved <laughs> to the left Jerk. so I could keep walking. So I had to walk around them to go.
0: And who is the nicest? Do you have a nicest? The nicest?
1: Uh, who do I want to say was the nicest? Uh, majority of them are nice. The, the thing that we've encountered was just the, their entourage is the ones that hype up situations. Like the people that are with them, they're like, hey, 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 we got uh, Beyonce coming in. We need you to move. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. And, you know, Beyonce's there just talking to people. Like, hey, you know, how you guys doing? How was your day? Like, majority of the time, the artists are nice. It's their security and their people who they bring with them hyping up situations. Okay.
0: What's one thing you wish that people were coming that were coming to that event would uh, know or practice? Like, well, if somebody was heading out to the Staples Center, mm-hmm. what would you love them to know before they get there? Our
1: Our bag policy, meaning... what's allowed so if you're going to the Stable stable Center center, pay attention to this yeah you need to know what can come in and what cannot I would say 90% of the guests don't look at that before they purchase their ticket because we have a lot of people trying to bring pepper sprays in and Pocket knives, like what makes you think that you can come into an arena full of twenty thousand people with pepper spray? Like that right. doesn't make any sense to me.
0: If you can't take it on a
1: plane, you can't bring it to the Staples Center. Pretty well, it, it ours actually varies. Our no city, shampoo. Yeah, ours is like worse than ours is like worse than the ours is worse than the airport.
0: All right, we got called away again. Chris is a very popular guy. You won't notice that on the podcast, except there will be some short, weird silence, and then this will start again. But uh, So we were just discussing what we wish people knew. Um, is there anything else that you just can think of that about your job that makes it completely interesting? Or actually, you know what? I have. What do you like about it? I mean, you, you've been there how long? I've been there for, what was it, five years? Be five, five years. So you like it, obviously, if you've yeah. been there for five years, or you're okay with it for five years. So uh what what would you why do you like it so much what what think, makes it a good place to work
1: i think the biggest thing for me is the challenges that if that i face it's something new every day you never you never know number one just with us as human beings like people can do some stupid stuff like i'm i'm not if anybody was to do something stupid i it wouldn't surprise me anymore like i've sure. i've heard it all and And I think it's just the the challenges that you face. It's something new every day. Like, you never know what you're going to encounter. So you go into work just ready to work. That's awesome.
0: All right, my last question is this, and I ask this to everybody that I interview. The only wrong answer here is I don't know. Are you ready for it? (laughs) Yes, sir. You think you're better than me? Definitely. son of a bitch.
1: (laughs) Why do you think you're better than me? You got to back it up now. The only reason I say that is because I don't know. I think it's just how I raised my 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 mom and dad raised me to just try to be the best at everything you do. All right, I can appreciate
0: that. My 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 parents didn't care so much. <laughs> they were pretty bad, so.
1: I would say, as in your job wise, definitely not. You're definitely better at your job than I am at it because I have <laughs> no idea the things that you do. I don't know how you do them.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate the honesty and uh, thank you for interviewing me and. I hope uh, once this goes super viral and everybody listens to podcasts, because you know podcasts are super popular now, right? Okay, yeah. (laughs) No, they haven't been for two years. (laughs) They've been stupid for at least two years now. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I should start a podcast. Anyway, that was offensive, (laughs) and I take it back. Um, Anyway, thank you, Chris, for talking to me, and hopefully the people like what you got, and we'll do another interview in the future about a whole new topic. Yes, sir. Take it easy. All right, thank you. I want to thank Chris for giving up a few minutes of his time to tell us something interesting that we didn't know about him uh, and to understand there's some challenges and you know, there's some things that people can do as they're heading out to somewhere that can make a huge impact on someone's day. Uh, that's uh, something I certainly took away. Our next interview is with Marco and Marco is a food scientist, and they will tell you a little bit more about his specific role, Uh, but I work with him, and uh, we are part of the same team, and I'm actually a person who does some of the product monitoring that we talk about, Um, but he is definitely the real deal when it comes to food science, and most people don't know that food science is necessarily even a thing, so we took a little extra time to uh, suss it all out. Uh, and here we go all right, I am here with Marco Gospoevich, and Marco and I work together, but Marco had an interesting story about how he came to be here, and I'm going to allow him to tell you a little bit about himself uh first off, um what is your
2: job title that? you care to share? Sure. Uh, My current job title is Product Quality Manager and products specifically being food. So I am one of the very unique uh, scientists. So we're all scientists, I should preface. Uh, We're very unique scientists where we study uh, both uh, food chemistry uh, and food safety science, such as uh, the microbes uh, that are obviously present and sometimes present in foods that could be dangerous to the, to humans for consumption. That sounds super dull and official. It's not. Now, how did you discover
0: <laughs> your desire for food quality uh, and, and your passion for science in the field? What about food science spoke to you, and
2: what age were you when you discovered it? So the first time I actually ever discovered um, food science or culinary science, so let's start off with that, uh, was very at a very young age of maybe even five when I could, my earliest memories, uh, because my mo- uh, mom, uh, who's still with us, thank God, my mother was a chef, so now she's retired, but uh, she, oh, uh, her and I and my family, we lived in Europe and uh, she was very much into her craft, into her art, and uh, that's when I started first learning that there is something out there that, you know, both involves art, uh, culinary sciences, and then eventually throughout my life, I just kind of learned that there was a, a scientific uh, uh, aspect to it. When I uh, when I graduated college, uh, I graduated college completely not thinking about foods because I was not interested in studying food science, I actually graduated uh, in a field of molecular biology so genetics is what interested me or molecular biology is what interested me and uh, when I graduated I could not find a job as a geneticist uh, or as a um, even an entry-level laboratory technician in a genetic laboratory right so I got uh, that was like what 2006 2007 so precursor to and the big, uh, uh, the Great Recession, I guess, is what we call it now. And nobody would hire me unless I had a, a PhD, right? And uh, which was silly because they would pay you like, they were offering $12 an hour to a PhD, right? To to work entry-level uh, jobs, which is stupid when you think about it that uh, people got away. Anyways, um, the only job that I was offered at a time was to be a chemist uh, in a laboratory for a food company. And uh, that company is uh, called Cargill. Um, I had no idea who Cargill was. It just happened to be uh, like the number one or number two privately owned company in the world.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things that people don't quite understand, much like a craft when you look at like craft yeah. and what they own and yeah. and are what was it? Philip Morris. Mm-hmm. It's like they own cigarettes and candy. It's like they own everything like, under the sun and yeah, exactly. Cargill is a similar similar company that they have raw protein meats, uh, oh. oils, salts Dressing, metals, metals,
2: metals uh, packaging. Or, that's right. That's another one. I mean, it's like a, they're jack of all trades, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, just happened to be that their uh, food division, right, was, uh, uh, was looking for a very entry-level chemist uh, to work. Literally, it was third shift, man. Uh, it was like, uh, what I mean third shift? Uh, you start your shift at midnight and you end it at 8 a.m. Or is it 9 a.m.? I think it's 9 a.m. because you took a break. Um and uh, it was it was horrible, like yeah. working third shift was awful. Uh, you worked. Uh, let's see, I could only stand about two and a half years of working that uh, kind of a lifestyle. The what is it called? The circadian rhythm is just completely off. Yeah. Uh, I was I was like constantly like grumpy, agitated. Like you would think I was like the worst sob in the world. And um, oddly enough, I was thinking about quitting uh the, the food uh science approach right i was like this is not for me i need to go back to genetics right uh interestingly enough a food science a food safety science job opened up and uh they said you should apply for this and the only way that i the only reason why i applied for it I'm thinking now retrospect it, it literally changed the tra- trajectory of my career <laughs> the only reason why i applied for this job is not because it was a cool food safety science this is awesome uh, literally, it was because I wanted to get off of third shift, and then it was a first shift job. <laughs> that was that so. was the motivating factor. <laughs> I no longer want to work overnight. <laughs> so, uh, so now, so two years into uh, post two thousand and six, now we're in two thousand and eight. A recession is full blown. People are getting laid off left and right. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm not getting any job offers in the field of genetics. Let me apply for this one role with hopes of a I get a first uh, shift gig, and uh, with B you know maybe I could you know find a niche for myself and you know make a career out of it. Not thinking that you know again two thousand and eight you 're thinking this is this a recession or a precursor to the great Depression number two yeah right so um, I took it, uh, worked that job uh, for uh, another another two years and uh, really fell in love with that, Uh, really fell in love with the science behind it. The science behind it is both uh, genetics, if you're dealing with like uh, genetically modified organisms, or an NGMOs for that matter of non genetically modified, Uh, then you're working on microbes, uh, obviously, what's in your food, right, Uh, in terms of like pathogens, and how do we kill them? And how do we get rid of them, the chemistry? Uh, In particular, if you're dealing with oils, how do you get rid of pesticides in the oils? And that's a whole other field of chemistry that I had to uh, relearn over and over again. And uh, man, it just grabbed me. And then throughout the up and coming years, I kept getting opportunities for promotions, uh, rapid promotions. I should state that. And um, so I've been a food safety uh, supervisor uh, a quality uh, control laboratory manager, which was like the, the one thing that I always wanted. I wanted to own my own, own uh, operate my own uh, laboratory because it kind of gave you like that Tony Stark kind of a feel. I don't know, it sounds nerdy. It, it's uh,
0: extremely nerdy. Yeah. No, but it's great. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, let me ask you just a sidetrack question. Uh, in all of your scientific uh, aspects that you've kind of covered about microorganisms and gmos gmos things like that if you could just talk to a regular person give them one small fact about something that you're either doing wrong should be looking for eating a certain way is there anything like avoid gmos i mean i am from the school from what i understand from my uh, background in like uh, agriculture everything is genetically modified technically you can't have any reproduction without genetic modification that's you know if if there's a kid listening to this right now he's genetically modified <laughs> right. same as your corn same as anything but we're talking about the real GMOs like you know corn seeds that dig themselves deeper so that they don't get attacked by bugs and things like right. that um Uh, As far as microbes go, what would be the dangerous thing? What would you tell people to do? Like if you could just pass one tip, not food safety-wise, just more about the people who are going into the non-GMO, GMO GMO thing, the Um, gluten, the microbes, all these kind of things. Is there anything that...
2: Well, yeah. Let's say, for an example, on the GMO side. Um, So, yes, it, it depends what we... Uh, as a society classify genetically modified? You actually said something that I always consider a debatable moment, uh, and that is uh, what is genetic modification? Is uh, genetic modification considered uh, two different species joining together and creating another species? Uh, that could be a species of plant, uh, or you know, two types of dogs mating together, and then all of a sudden you get like a... Uh, An know, adorable
0: a, mini husky.
2: Yeah, exactly. Something <laughs> like that. Uh, uh, so... Um, For me, I like to, we uh, in that community, we like to classify things that are just naturally occurring genetic modifications, hybridizations, right? Right. Uh, Those are things that happen through cross-pollination, through, uh, well, let's call it cross-pollination. That's exactly what that is. Uh, Little bees going from flower to flower or crop to crop and they cross-hybridize or cross-pollinate. Uh, different crops with different strains strains of whatever, wheat right, or whatever. Right, that's how you get
0: sweet corn. That's right. how you
2: get white corn. That's yeah. how
0: you get all these different exactly. things so, and produce and even, I mean, cotton candy grapes. That's yeah. severely genetically modified, but that's definitely not our cross pollination right. one. So for
2: me, uh, for me, okay. So now that we've defined uh, some sort of a semblance of uh, you know. Hybridization. Uh, Now we go into what is actually genetically modified, what is genetic modification. Uh, For me personally, the way I interpret uh, genetic modification, again, there are NGMO verified standards out there that we could go in and quote. I'm just not trying to bore us with this. My personal uh, take on it is anything that has been uh, obviously. Modified in a laboratory setting in a controlled laboratory setting with the intent of either uh, economic purposes, uh, such as uh, you know, uh, making sure that they grow more abundant, or uh, with an economic slash. Um, efficiency purpose like to your point like uh, can a particular uh, root grow deeper so they have access to water or can it bury itself uh, a certain way or is it more resistant to certain strains of uh, pesticides and etc or fungi or whatever it might be yeah Um, so okay now that we've defined those two aspects right uh, my uh, my take on it is um, if we use genetic modification, I think that we as a society should be very careful because uh, there are benefits and disservices to genetic modifications. Uh, the uh, disservice uh, actually the, the benefits let me, let me go into that particular realm. if there is a reason why we might want to uh, feed the population of earth, let's say you know seven going uh, eight e- eventually eight billion people, how do we find an abundance of uh, fields? And how do we uh, keep feeding the people considering that constantly there are certain bacteria that attacked, uh, that attack plants and plant life uh, so in a way genetic modification is a uh, you know a helpful thing to have around now the disservice is when those genetic modifications take a turn on the ethics uh, so for an example uh, cross hybridizing uh, certain plants with animal um, animal traits that are resistant to certain bacteria. Uh, So, you know, the Dr. Moreau kind of a thing. And for those of you who don't know what Dr. Moreau is, it's a cool little book that literally talks about, like genetic hybrids of uh, certain species like it's sci-fi sure and... yeah
0: absolutely i'm sure people either have seen the movie or yes. at least the south park well, episode Brando, that's where right. they yeah. make fun of uh <laughs> of <laughs> weird things being created anyway
2: so uh for me that's pretty much the way i look at it is like if we turn our backs to the ethics of genetic modification and we start to just create these like freakish uh things with uh, gmos uh honestly i I don't think that the science has had enough uh, time to properly vet it and study it. Uh, And that's why I think that uh, this is such a controversial uh, figure. And we're at the apex of this development right now in a society. Like, okay, what's the next step? And what's the next finding? Because within 50 years, we might start to see that, you know, GMOs could be uh, be a good or bad thing. Like, you know, smoking was in 1940s defined as it's good for your cough or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think that, probably it would fall onto education
0: and exploration right. for all of us research would series. be that people who don't know it the difference between a GMO and NGMO is and that there are differences that are standardized right now but maybe people aren't cool with that and yeah. they need to look at that stuff and if it's something you're already making a choice about you should probably do some research yourself And
2: I agree you, uh, I think there is power to doing uh, research uh, on on your own to an extent. Uh, when I say doing research on your own, doing research based off of reputable sources um, that are independent, uh, non biased. So, um, I unfortunately we see a lot of that uh, in the science field where um, a certain, how do I say it, uh, a certain vendor or manufacturer uh, that has enough clout and power might contract a certain laboratory and ask them to do a study, uh, and fund them uh, to do this study. Absolutely. Um, For
0: example, uh, the uh, California plastic bag ban, when that was going through, uh, there was a research paper that was released uh, through uh, University of Arizona, and uh, it said that reusing reusable bags is dangerous to your health. That uh you'd get all sorts of bacteria and awful things like that and you get salmonella which is accurate in the sense that if you put leaking chicken in your bag oh, yeah. and you don't wash your bag when you're done with it then yeah you probably gonna get sick if you put some vegetables, vegetables down exactly. there that you're not going to wash products, but uh that it turns out when you look at that study who it was funded by it was funded by the American Plastics Council <laughs> No so the people obviously who are in charge of some of these things have uh, more of a clout than you think, so while you're looking at this recutable science paper, it's actually been completely funded and submitted and used and there were pro there were pro ban or they were, no the the university was against the ban saying that people would get sick from the reusable oh. bags okay, but it was funded by the American Plastics Council, so oh. it's like, well, how much do you trust? You know, oh. you don't. You don't. You know, if a commercial came out tomorrow and said McDonald's has the best food in the world, you're probably not gonna believe it because it's McDonald's telling you number one, and it's your personal experiment that it's not. Yeah. You know no, your personal experience. So I do think that it's it's important to understand where your
2: information comes from. Oh, and that's uh, certainly from a you know reputable scientific third party that is independent of uh, of any sort of. Potential lobbying, and uh, I'm going to use lobbying very uh, loosely as a as a as a term here. But um, yeah, they should not be influenced by outside parties that are obviously have something to gain with that. Um, Sure. And yeah, that's that's all I have to say about. Well, uh, definitely. Yes,
0: (laughs) I've uh, I pulled you away from your story about the work to go off on a tangent about (laughs) GMOs and and GMOs and bag bans, but. let's get back into it so you uh you were working at, you had your own lab that's right first shift you recession hit people are coming you're you're looking for more work and then where do you land
2: next or so um uh, interesting enough i was uh i was asked to consider a, uh, a promotion uh at the time i was working all of this is t- taking place now in north carolina in charlotte north carolina and, uh, and while I was working as a, a food safety uh, scientist, uh, I was asked to consider a promotion to a, a QA laboratory manager in Orange County, California, uh, city of Fullerton right? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Never heard of Fullerton. I definitely know that Orange County is an awesome place. Yeah. So let me take a look at that. Applied, uh, got the gig. I had my, I was finally in charge of my own laboratory, right? And my own group of, uh, chemists and scientists, right? So all sorts of fun, expensive equipment in the lab, like pushing half a million dollars worth of, uh, fun, uh, fun instruments. Um, and I did that job, um, for a few more years, uh, once we moved uh, to, once I moved to California, and uh, eventually something, something kind of hit me that um, I've, I've hit my, I've hit my career peak, and it sounds horrible, because at that time, I was 27, Um, so it doesn't sound like what, how can you hit your career peak at 27, and it's because I've noticed that in order for me to get exposure to uh, new projects, um, I was literally validating and, and uh, studying one single product. And that one single product was um, either A, edible oils, right? Uh, which is super fun. And, <laughs> and the other one are, uh, was, uh, we called them finely textured beef. Uh, A.K.A. Pink Slime Ah, the pink
0: slime That's
2: right, so I'm one of the scientists that worked uh, with, uh, now called Pink Slime But it's technically called Finely Textured Beef Or LFTB, Lean Finely Textured Beef Anyways, uh, so those two projects, uh, obviously, as fun as they sound (laughs) uh, I decided to say no more and I sought employment outside of Cargill and uh, I decided to apply for another job uh, somewhere uh, with another manufacturing company that uh, shall not be named. And uh, I, again, ran my own laboratory. I had the microbiology department reporting to me and I had, uh, you know, just basic, uh, I guess, chemical department reporting to me. We were producing uh literally anything under the roof uh from you know oatmeal uh meals or like ready to eat meals to you know packaged little tiny chicken uh, chicken nuggets and etc and uh i briefly worked there uh for 6 months and i've tarnished my record uh for doing that because myself and another uh, the head of our department her and i disagreed fundamentally on um on certain scientific principles uh, so I don't want to go too deep into that sure. but it was a uh, it was a major disagreement in terms of the approach and uh, I decided to give my resignation right then and there uh, and I, I quit my job without knowing that I was going to get hired anywhere else so um, that's six months uh, at this job so I'm like oh my god I'm, I'm literally 29 years old I have a girlfriend that I got a feeling is going to leave me now because I'm, <laughs> you know, on the wrong side of uh, twenty and I'm an unemployed person. And then I got hired by uh, by another company that uh, had me doing uh, literally anything from uh, bottled water mm-hmm. all the way to uh, like ready to eat pulled pork and pulled chicken, right? And that was a, a cool little gig for about two years, and now and, I'm here. And just to,
0: just to clear, like what? When you say you worked in these you know where you know you worked in these labs and were assigned these products where what was like your specific role with them? were you testing them were you developing them were you uh, putting them into marketing were you ramping up production what what
2: what were the aspects that you covered so typically we like to consider ourselves segregated departments like you have research and development right mm-hmm. and then you have their quality assurance and quality control um, so uh, once you go into the real world and real life scenario, you'll learn that there's a very great area that we all do both quality uh, control and research and development, especially in my field as a as a QA QC. So that means that we uh, a we test the product for both nutrition. Uh, number one, how many calories, salt levels, and etc. Uh, are in the particular product. And number two, we uh, verify whether or not the product has and test whether it has a particular pathogen or bacteria growth on it so we would do petri dish plating or microplating and then we would outsource some pathogen testing that we couldn't do in-house to an outside laboratory so again that's every day every lot was tested for um, micro pathogens or microbiology and pathogens it was tested for a certain compliance to uh, nutritional guidelines right so does it have enough sodium Uh, does it have enough calories in a a 100 gram serving and then uh Third, the most fun part was when they asked you, can you help us develop this particular type of a product? Like if somebody came, I remember a project, uh, an outside uh, company came in and they said, hey, can you help us, can you and your department help us create this particular type of orange uh, chicken, right? And I was like, oh, that's cool, right? Like I've never had to do this before. I was never asked to develop anything. And uh, it was a cool little neat project because you get to learn all about the uh, meat, and breading chemistry and how they work together because you can't just mix, you know, breading and, uh, and chicken or beef for that matter and just make it, you know, stick together. Uh, there's a certain chemical component behind it, and uh, it can be, you know, you need certain binding agents. Uh, so, for us, if we're gonna simplify it, use buttermilk for an example. Sure. Uh, but now, when you get into mass manufacturing, that buttermilk is expensive, so now you gotta figure out other chemicals that are food grade chemicals that can be used to do that. So you have binders, right? right. So it sounds like, if anybody is like a super clean uh, freak out there, or if it's like food babe that's listening uh, that, to this. That's what you need to know though. Is yeah. See,
0: this is, this is the stuff that people don't see on the outside. So when they get all these products from these companies that have 400 products that they make, and you don't know that, uh, you don't really realize that they're made with all these chemicals. That you're made with all these things. You see it. It says orange chicken. It doesn't say, you know, whatever chemical binder you used. I mean, it does, but it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't tell you what that's what it is. What is in the for? ingredients or right. what it's for? You're just like oh, monosodium glutamate. You're like, what is that? Oh, sorry. I'm pretty sure it's good. You know, like hopefully there's no MSG. Uh- <laughs> there's always MSG. You no, know? um, but I uh, yeah so. Let me ask you this. So, where do you see your your position
2: taking you to the future? Where what does this job lead to for you, or where would you like it to lead for you? So, in contrast to where I was when uh, age twenty nine, when I realized that the only way for me to get promoted and exposed to any other projects was for uh, you know my senior manager to you know retire or god forbid you know die at his desk you know what i mean uh which is so morbid when you think about did it did that happen no <laughs> <laughs> okay that would have been a better story we should have gone to that
0: story for the first one it's like
2: oh my god mike are you okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess i'm in charge <laughs> I'm <laughs> i did it promotion <laughs> so um so that was a uh again that's commonly found because you typically have uh, the head scientist or the head manager that's in charge of technical services or uh, QA, and he or she is very content in their job and they stay there for for many many years, right? Or until they retire. Well, I'm twenty nine. I can't just do the same job for like twenty years, right? Right. So eventually, I needed to grow, and uh, now the current present company that I'm with uh, gives you a little bit of an opportunity to see how that's looked at uh, from a Fortune five hundred level, right? So my Career trajectory hopefully will be somewhere. So, like I said, currently I'm a product quality assurance manager. My career trajectory could go anywhere from a director of a department uh, of a quality assurance department, all the way, (coughs) excuse me, all the way up to, and this is probably where it caps out, uh, VP of a quality assurance department. Okay. Not necessarily with this company, but it could be with any other company out there. Sure. Now. Uh, again, any one of us can opt out and say, you know what, I'm quitting this. I'm going to go into consulting and I can do this on my own because uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there who uh, needs my services for, you know, uh, for temporary uh, purposes. Sure. So there's, there's other, tra- there are other trajectories uh, when you go into food science and food safety sciences. Uh, so it doesn't have to be just, you know, you're running a department or you're running a laboratory. You can go and consult you can go and start your own company either consultation company or you can start your own food company um a lot of folks have actually done that uh, yeah. and uh that's about it
0: um so that's where you're heading uh <laughs> what would i mean when people hear uh, quality product manager
2: mm-hmm.
0: they probably don't know what that means so give them like a little taste of maybe some of the tasks or uh, things that you encounter maybe on a weekly or daily basis that's pretty regular with the position. Like, you know, I know for a fact there's like a lot of monitoring of, right. of our data from people and things like that, but if you can give a little bit more of an insight to what a day in the life of you is.
2: Sure, I mean, it literally is uh, monitoring primarily right Uh so what current products do you uh, do you supervise right now and uh, luckily we you know some of us have a system uh, our company right now has a system where you can you know log in and in the morning you can kind of just kind of verify how many product complaints or product issues you've had for the for the previous day or for the week and then you analyze and you trend you're pretty much doing uh, trend analysis every single day So uh, where is this product trend analysis going? So for an example, if uh, a certain product, let's say chicken um, happens to go, all of a sudden i am seeing spikes in complaints, then I can trend and see, oh my gosh, I probably need to look into this product a little bit more thoroughly so that I can prevent certain complaints from happening again. These complaints could be anything from quality related, which are the easy ones all the way to uh, you know, food safety related issues, which means that I could potentially be on the 11 o'clock news, right? Right. So uh, that's the, that, those are the big ones, and luckily they don't happen often. Um, but that's the everyday mundane thing, right? You're monitoring and trending analysis. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, culinary departments will come to you, uh, to your office, and they will constantly, uh, and rightfully so, uh, they would ask you for your advice in terms of developing a certain product can I bind uh, this particular type of a protein with this particular type of a breading? Right. Uh, will it work uh, in both restaurants uh, or retail, and or will it work uh, if I'm mass manufacturing it? So you know, if you go to Costco or Sam's Club or Walmart and you're buying a ready-to-eat or ready-to-cook meal, uh, will that product withstand uh, the heat exposure the, uh, or temperature exposure such as frozen? So you're literally doing uh, every, any type of a science you can imagine, both chemistry to see whether or not your product works, and then after you figure that out, you've got to validate it, uh, which means that uh, will it behave? So you've got to cook up a lot of products and, like a lot of us, eat a lot of products, taste them. So that's the delicious side. Taste
0: them. You don't have to eat them. I mean, oh, you can you, taste. You can spit you, you it can out. Eat, but some people spit it out, but okay. for sure, you got to taste everything. I'm not a spitter. That's, that's good for you, man. <laughs> I choose to, man. Um, I would be so much bigger if I had to eat all the food that we cooked. Oh, my gosh. But luckily, I can just spit it out. Oh, so, so you're a spitter, too. Man. I'm a spitter, man. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem. <laughs> um, What would be the biggest, maybe, misconception about your job? Like, if you go out to talk to strangers or even friends of your friends... And you say, I'm quality product manager. What do they think that is? Or what do they assume that is? And what are they missing the big picture on?
2: Uh, Well, here's the thing. My family, to this day, has no idea what I do for a living. (laughs) So. uh, I think a
0: lot of parents are like that. They just choose not to know what their kids are doing. What does he do? As long as you make enough money and the company sounds nice, it's like,
2: we're good. Exactly. <laughs> so, um it's so kind of references back to those of you who might have heard like, you know, or watched Friends back in the day, like Chandler, nobody yeah. could figure out what in the world he did for a living. So, it's kind of like that. Like, you know, it's hard to explain what you do. You are a a scientist in charge of food products and uh you do several things from, you know, uh monitoring uh, the product itself, like how it behaves to testing the product before it goes out uh, for uh, certain levels of uh, chemistry and microbiology compliance. Um, That's the difficult part, because now you have to tell somebody, oh, this is what I do for a living. And I typically, you know, lose them uh, within like the three minutes of conversation if they were listening to me. Yeah. Uh, So uh, yeah, man, it's just one of those jobs that uh, not a lot of people are aware of uh, that it exists it's such a niche community because a lot of us know each other uh in the food industry uh because it's not like um it's not like a lot of us exist out there like you know bankers or loan officers or something like that uh or whatever other uh, right people jobs don't
0: even there. know it exists yeah there's maybe when like when i tell people what i do they're like that's a job yeah yeah you damn right it's a job yeah, and i a- work hard at it
2: and you're lucky i do it or else You'd be in trouble. <laughs> no, and uh, I'm glad you actually said that because there are so many other uh, different scientists out there and uh, quality assurance, quality control uh, laboratories out there that do this day in and day out. And uh, their sole purpose is to make sure that people and uh, people and animals don't get sick by eating food or feed or yeah. uh, animal food. So um, that's... That's the primary uh, descriptor, if I can say Like, what do you do for a living? I make sure that the food that you eat at a certain uh, restaurant or at a certain grocery store, that food is safe for your consumption. That is pretty much what my job is in, uh, day in and day out. Now, you have government officials who obviously work side by side with us, so such as FDA and USDA. Of course, you have Department of Public Health if necessary. But um, th- those, that's more on the regulatory side, on the government side. Uh, you, you still have to control that individually because FDA and USDA, they pop in you know, at a set frequency. But uh, you, the, the scientist, you're there on that job uh, every hour of the day. Yeah. So uh, you're in charge. And sometimes you get those weird phone calls at like 2 o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh my gosh, the results are completely uh, skewed on uh, one side or the left, and you have to make some really tough calls. And uh, unfortunately, those tough calls, when they're not done right, they cause um, well, they cause some some big mistakes to happen, such as you know, food food safety concerns or food safety uh, illnesses and outbreaks. And uh, obviously, it, you can just Google food safety illnesses, and you'll see what's going on in the world. What's your favorite thing about your job? You know. The favorite, my favorite thing about my job is, man, I get to play with food. You know what I mean? Like, this is literally every five, no, every three year old's uh, dream job. Yeah. So, uh, in a way, I'm. That's why I
0: like it so much because (laughs) I am essentially three years
2: old. There you go. (laughs) So, uh, in a way, every one of us literally what we get to do is we get to you know squeeze abuse the product uh you know poke it uh, if necessary uh, uh, abuse it in terms of like temperature wise i mean just think of it uh any sort of a test we we do it and uh you know it's like if your mom ever told you don't play with your food that's not nice well this is what i get paid to do i get to pay i get paid to play with food on a daily basis Uh, Now, the rewards that come with that are, you know, you're making sure that someone's food that they're going to be consuming is not going to make them sick. Uh, So, in a way, there's a little bit of that reward, like, you know, a self pat on the back saying like, hey, you know what? I did something right. No one's, uh, no one fell ill because of my product. So, uh, maybe that's a weird way of saying that that's That's what I enjoy. That
0: was great. Um last real question about your job is uh, if you could pass along one message let's just imagine that this podcast is the most popular thing in the world you know how podcasts are these days nobody's starting them anymore this is like reverse psychology this episode is is a retro it's going to bring back podcasting you don't even know it's going to revolutionize the whole thing no it's not anyway imagine you had the ears of the world listening in What's one thing you could tell them about your job or food safety or something that you think they should all know that they probably are
2: gleefully unaware of right now? Um, hmm. Sorry, I'm just kind of thinking because like that's a very sure. good. That's a very good question. Like, what's something that I'll, the public is unaware about about this job or this industry? Um, think of it uh, this way. Um, every. Every piece of food that we consume uh, on a day-to-day basis, um, even if it is like organic or anything like that, uh, has undergone uh, hundreds of scientific validations. So that's something that not a lot of folks, uh, I don't think that they think about. It's. Uh, I think a lot of folks think that uh, the food industry is filled with these, like you know, Lex Luthor type of guys that are just like you know, in it to make a quick buck and like just rubbing their hands like, yeah. but they're really uh, good ethical people that work in the food industry, uh, especially in the food manufacturing industry that I'm talking about, and uh, they really mean nothing but the best for the society that we feed. Uh, so I'm going to just say one last quote, and that is the food that we make uh, in, the, in the facility or on the farm is the food that we also eat. Right. So I am taking, uh, if I, the food scientist, am taking a risk, an ethical risk, then I am not only exposing other people out there, I'm exposing people like myself and my own family. So, I think that's one thing that a lot a lot of folks uh, think that we uh have ethics about. We have very much strict ethics, and we 're trained on ethics uh every single day of the year yeah, so that's something I guess I would want people to understand like, hey, man, you know we really care about the food that uh, goes on your plates and uh, i ho- I hope people kind of take that away from from this conversation if possible That's great. Uh, And my real last question that I
0: ask everybody, the only wrong answer is I don't know. Uh, That's the only answer you can't say, but the last question is do you think you're
2: better than me? <laughs> so we talked about this. Uh, No, I don't believe that any one person is better than another or than the other. I think that we, honestly, all of us are are just just equally made man um so doesn't matter what you do what i do i don't think you're uh, that i'm better than you in any way shape or form um, so it just depends on who you're talking to i guess my ego is not that big so i'm very much of a like yeah i'm definitely not better than you trust me
0: well thank you for taking the time to talk to me and uh, Thanks, this when this fun. goes up and everybody's like, oh my God, I want to hear more about Marco's life, I'm going to have you back on. Oh, shit. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you.
2: All right, buddy. Have you hear the work. handshake there.
0: <laughs> and that is episode one. Guys, we did it, we made it happen. Uh, And as you can tell, uh, the most awkward question that I'm asking anybody at any given time is, you think you're better than me? Uh, We got two different different reactions, and I loved both of them. It was a lot of fun talking to both guys. Uh, We're going to keep expanding on this topic, I'm sure. Uh, You'll probably hear from Chris and Marco later on down the road. Uh, They both have incredible stories uh, that go much further than just what their work is. Uh, I hope you liked uh, this episode. If you liked it, please uh, subscribe. We're on iTunes and all that other jazz. Uh, If you'd like to talk to me, we can set that up. It's very easy. You can be one of the interviews on this uh, show. And... It's like the simplest thing, because all you have to do is download the app that I'm recording this on and publishing through, and that's called the Anchor app. It's anchor.fm. And what we can do is we can connect, and at some predetermined time, I can ask you questions about things, and you can give me answers about things. Uh, If that sounds interesting to you, go ahead and leave a comment uh, with a way to get in contact with you. Or you can email me at jasonbrownonline at gmail.com. Yes, that's an incredibly long email. And I wasn't sure I wanted to give it out because this is going to be the most popular podcast in the world. And I'm going to have all these million emails. But yeah, that's what I'm expecting. Uh, Anyway, that was very disjointed. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. Please subscribe and leave a comment and we will see you in the next episode.